Maybe there's some of us today that have blown it in the past. I don't know where you're standing today, but I want to encourage you today by the power of the Holy Spirit that God would help us to understand we are overcomers. And I want to preach today on the subject the Lord's placed on my heart. Overcoming living with thanksgiving. Overcoming living with thanksgiving. And uh, we're looking today at the book of Revelation chapter 3. And here is a wonderful passage of scripture that I'll tell you, it seems like these days we can easily get defeated. Is there anybody here today that's been troubled and worried lately? Is there anybody here today uh, that has had stress and pressure and you don't seem like you've got peace that passes understanding? Is there anybody here today that your marriage is on the rocks, that it seems like things aren't going just right in your life? Is there anybody here today that your family is not serving the Lord and it's a heavy burden on your heart? I'm telling you, we all face these challenges in these days uh, to be anxious instead of praying, uh, to be stressed out instead of casting our burden upon the Lord. But I'm praying today that some of us will come out of the prison of ungratefulness and come into the light and to uh, the freedom and liberty to bless the Lord and worship the Lord because he is good. And again, overcoming living with thanksgiving. Overcoming living with thanksgiving. I got a feeling there's some of us today that hadn't been praising the Lord. You hadn't really had a song. Listen, listen, please listen. Oh, listen now, if you want to be in tune with what God wants to tell you today, we've got to listen to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us. I'm reading from the book of Revelation chapter 3, and I want to, first of all, uh, give you a little background, and we'll launch right into the text. John gets the revelation from, uh, from the angel who gets the revelation from the Lord Jesus, God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, who gets the revelation from God the Father. And no doubt that this uh, pen letter, in my opinion, was probably penned around 95 A.D., a time of immense persecution and distress among the people of God. John, who is well up in age, probably in his 90s at the time, many scholars believe, uh, was exiled on the Isle of Patmos. We'll see that, that particular location in a moment. However, John doesn't see Jesus hanging on a cross anymore. I'm telling you today that our Lord has risen. Amen. I'm telling you today that we serve a risen Savior. Your God might be dead, as we're going to read today, but thank God my God's alive. And John says, as he sees the glorified Christ in chapter 1, the outline of the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 19, after he sees Jesus, who may, by the way, says, Behold! I'm him that was dead, but I'm alive forevermore. Hold the keys to death and hell. Yes, our Lord is not uh, in a tomb anywhere. Rather, he has got the keys to death and hell. I don't know what that means to you, but can I tell you as you look up here what it means to me? It means that I can stand by bedside of a loved one dying and saying absent from the body, present with the Lord. It means to me that when my time comes and your time comes, we don't have to fear death. I need some help today. Y'all don't want to help me today. I'll tell you, praise the Lord, John saw Jesus and Jesus said, write the things which you've seen, the things that are, the things which shall be hereafter. I started to preach today on the subject 
of uh, living in these last days and how the scenario is taking place in our world, painting the picture for the Lord to come back again. But rather than go on that subject, we're going to stick with this subject here. Now, as we progress through Revelation chapter 2 and 3, you'll note there are seven literal churches. And these are literal churches, many believe, that John, in fact, visited as the evangelist. And we come to this church in whom there is both condemnation as well as commendation. The Lord gives that with all the churches, with exception, I might add, of the one being Smyrna in chapter 2 and number 2 being Philadelphia in chapter 3. There's no word of condemnation to neither one of those churches. Now, as we come to chapter 3, I want you to stand if you would. We're going to read the text, verses 1 through 6. And if you'll notice, can I say this to you? I don't tell you this. I was talking with somebody the other day. I was talking with Katie on Sunday night and sharing with her the difference in an expository message versus a topical textual message. A topical message grabs a verse here and there and just runs here and there and yonder. But, and I'm not saying this any other reason, but let you know my goal as your pastor is to get you in the Word of God, to stay and let the Word of God speak to our heart, to analyze, to evaluate, to exegete, to expound what the Word is saying. Not my opinion, but what the Word is saying. And in this manner, you take several verses together from the text and you expound building on the message. And so I'm hoping that as you're listening, you're taking notes and you're beginning to discern as you listen to messages. Is this really uh, a message dealing with what the Scripture's saying? Or is this just somebody's opinion? Or is this just bouncing from here to there? And so I, I'm still learning. I'm still in kindergarten when it comes to it. But the goal is that we uh, honor the Word and let the Word of God speak. Why? Because that's where the power comes. Revelation chapter 3. Begin reading in verse 1. If you're there, say amen. Unto the angel. The word angel is the word angelos. Many translate that either messenger or pastor in some uh, cases. Uh, these pastors to the churches as uh, messengers. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis. Write these things, saith he, that has seven spirits of God. Notice a capital S. Spirits of God. And the seven stars, messengers, I know thy works. Thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. This is an indictment. Jesus is speaking these words. And my, my, the writing is in red. Notice verse 2. Be watchful. I like this. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. Evidently the church was a dying church. But there were people who were in the church who were alive. He said, strengthen the things which remain, verse 2, that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember, that's a key word in verse 3, underline it. Remember, remember. I tell you, God wants us to remember some stuff today. God doesn't want us to forget what we once were and how he saved us by his marvelous grace and how he's brought us up out of the horrible pit and how he's written our name in the Lamb's book of life and how he's prepared a place for us in glory. I feel like shouting right there. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received, verse 3, and heard and hold fast and then repent. Have a change of heart. Will you turn from leaving me out of your life? Will you turn from your wayward ways? Repent. That's the message God has to the church of not only Laodicea and Sardis, but furthermore, 
of Ephesus and Pergamos and Thyatira. Look at this. Repent, he said. Look, verse 3. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. The Lord said, I'm examining, walking through my churches. I know the motives of people's hearts. I see uh, inside and outside. And then notice verse 4. Thou hast a few names in Sardis which have not defiled. They've not defiled the garments. Thank God there's a remnant in the church. There's some who want to live for God. There's some who are sold out. There's some who are not playing games. There's some who are busy about the master's business. There's some who are hungry and thirsty for God. There's some who are yielded and dedicated to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. There's some who want God to fill them up. There's some daddies and mamas who want to do right. There's some soldiers who understand we're in a battle. Notice he said, there's some who have not defiled the garments, for they walk with me. They walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcomes, here's the message, he that overcomes. Listen, church, God's made us overcomers. Listen, brother, God's made us overcomers. Listen, sister, God's made us overcomers. We can overcome because our Lord Jesus has overcome. Amen and amen and amen. He that overcomes, verse 5, the same should be clothed in white raiment. And that speaks of the righteousness of the saints. I know we're imputed, justified the moment we're saved. We're imputed the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. But wait a minute. After we're saved, we live a life of, of works because it's God working in us. Listen to me, beloved. I got to say this and then I'll be done. You know at the wedding, at the wedding of the Lamb, after the rapture of the church, the wedding garments, our uh, wedding garments, uh, the bride's garments going to be made up of the righteousness of the saints. You can check that out in Scripture and verify that. After the rapture, the judgment seat of Christ, married to the Lamb, then the marriage supper on the Lamb, and the implementation of the ushering of God's kingdom. His kingdom, there shall be no end. And then eternity, future. But wait a minute. Verse 5, read it again, please. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. There's some that have told me and interrupted and said, hey, brother, that tells me that I can be saved and lost. That does not say that. You're misreading that, my brother. You're misreading that, my sister. That doesn't insinuate a person can be saved and lost. You need to check that out. There's various uh, interpretations on that. Number one, the physical name of every person is written in the book of life. And if a person rejects Jesus Christ, then they will be brought out of the book of life. But not normally uh, if you receive Christ and are born again. And then notice he says uh, again, I will not blot out his name. Look at the middle part of verse 5. I have to explain this as we go. It's too much to explain all in one message. But God help us and help me. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. But I will confess, Jesus said, I'll confess his name before my father. And before his angels, I say hallelujah. Hey, listen, if you deny the Lord now, God's going to deny you then. If you confess him before men, he said, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. Are you ashamed of the gospel? Are you ashamed of the Lord? That's what he's saying. Confess me before men. Acknowledge me before men. And then verse 6, finally, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Father, I thank you for the word of God. I thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ that who inspired by the Holy Spirit, the written Word of God. 
I need it. We need it. We're hungry. Lord, we're malnutritioned in this nation. There's a famine in the land for hearing the Word of God and obeying the Word of God. I pray the Word will fall on good ground today. And Father, I pray the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches and the uh, worldly concerns, God, would lay them aside for a little while and open our hearts to receive the incorruptible, indestructible seed that falls from the very throne of God. I pray you'll change us, Lord. Change me, Lord. And help me never to be the same. I want to be faithful, and I know there are many people here today that want to be faithful to our calling, faithful to the task, faithful to our post of duty until you call us home. And we thank you now for victory in Jesus. Make us overcomers. Enable us to overcome. I pray today there'll be breakthroughs, Father. Breakthroughs over bad habits. Breakthroughs over strongholds. Breakthroughs over generational sins. Breakthroughs, God our Father. Bring us out of bondage and bring us in to freedom in Christ who has made us free. Hallelujah. And I love you, Lord, and give you glory. Cleanse me of sin. Fill me afresh. Fill every person here. And when all sin and done, we'll thank you because it's all about you. You're worthy. And the church said, amen and amen and amen. I can't hear you. All right, thank you. I'm just making sure you're awake, okay? Hey, look here. I want to go on this subject, overcomers. You know what this is? This is the archaeological remains of the church of Sardis. I had the privilege of standing right here in this place in modern-day Turkey. And by the way, you see these pillars. Here's a map of geographical location of what we're talking about today. The church of Sardis. You'll notice these seven churches. This is what we call modern-day Turkey. We landed in Istanbul, 98% Muslim, by the way. Flew down to Smyrna. And then from Smyrna, we went to these various sites, one of which is Sardis. I want to share with you what happened in Sardis. These two pillars, if you'll notice, are that of a pagan worship, and yet they still remain intact at the exact location of this particular church. Now, what you can't see in this picture is there is a, uh, uh, this not in this picture, but there is a uh, building per se. It's, not, it's really basically just some stones built up in a location. And it's kind of similar to this very much. You can get a few people inside of it. I had the privilege of standing in there. And I'll never forget it. Our guide was a Muslim. His name was Nazem, 36 years old. I had a chance to talk with him about Jesus. And of all things, when we were touring this place, there were probably about 15 in our tour group. He being one, telling us all of the historical information and archaeological uh, facts concerning this particular location. Needless to say, he was a scholar. However, I was praying for this man named Nazem. And wouldn't you have it, we hadn't done this before in any of the sites, but some of the people in the group said, Pastor, will you share us a word? How many know that's dangerous? Amen. I'll preach at the drop of a hat, and I'll even drop the hat, somebody said. But anyway, they said, will you preach? I said, well, man, I'll be glad to. I mean, I was not, uh, you got to be instant in season, out of season. I mean, we're walking around, not taking pictures and writing notes and all that stuff. 100-page notes and have to turn into a, a, a book uh, eventually. But anyway, the point being this, I said, Nazem, isn't this just like God? I had my phone with me. I said, will you hold my phone and take this while I have a prance to preach? A Muslim was holding my phone, and I stood right there to God be the glory in this archaeological site preaching Jesus. And the Lord had me to say, Muhammad's dead, amen, and Buddha's dead, amen. But I said, Jesus is alive. 
and he's alive and he's alive and well and he's risen from the grave and he's coming again and there's life in him and there's joy in him and there's peace in him and there's victory in him and his blood will make the vilest sinner clean. Oh yes, his Holy Spirit has said he'll fill us. I can't hear you. Come on, folks. You know, it's like this. Many are called and few are chosen. The truth about most Christians, many are cold and a few are frozen. We need to get a life, brother. If you can't get happy and excited about what Jesus has done for you, you need to check up and see if you're saved. You need to. And if you are and you just can't, then there must be something wrong about some unconfessed sin in your life. Amen. But wait a minute. I was telling you that this brother, or this friend rather, heard the gospel for about 15 minutes. I say, hallelujah, Lord. I pray that as I got him aside, I said, now you don't really think after you die where you're going to go. He couldn't tell me. And I said, I can tell you where you're going to go. I didn't want to talk with him and embarrass him in front of the group. But anyway, uh, it was a blessing. It was a blessing. We're talking about the church of Sardis. We're talking about today, destined to overcome. I've got a feeling there's some of us today, we've been down. We've been pouting. We've been ungrateful maybe. We've been feeling like a failure. Let me just take a quick survey. Now, y'all don't lie in church. Don't lie in church. How many today is the devil working overtime on you? If you didn't raise your hand, you're not a threat to the devil's domain. Can you hear me? If you didn't raise your hand, you're no threat to the devil's domain. I want to tell you something. If you start treading on the enemy's territory, he's going to come after you. Can you hear me? That's all right. Fact is, he's going to come after you anyway. And either he's got you or you're going to resist him, one of the two. I don't know about y'all, but man, I was in real spiritual warfare uh, last night. I talked with somebody yesterday for about two hours about this subject, overcoming. I'm telling you, we can sit in church and act like everything's okay. Deep down inside, we're not experiencing victory. We're not overcoming. And I want to encourage you today, brother. Encourage you today, sister. You don't have to stay in that state. You don't have to continue living in depression. You don't have to listen to the devil's lies. He lies to us. He hates us. He's a a great deceiver. And we need to see him for who he really is. And we need to say, in the name of Jesus, get behind me, Satan. Y'all don't, are you with me? Are you willing to do that today? Are you willing to do that today? Oh, I'm telling you, we're in a spiritual battle. It's not against flesh and blood, destined to overcome. I want to share with you today, there's four ways that I think God will help us stay focused on being overcomers. Four ways that we can fulfill our destiny. Four ways you can make a difference and I can make a difference while we've got time. And here we're going to take the text of the book of Revelation. Number one, the first question is, why are we here? Why are we here? Secondly, how can we leave a lasting legacy? Notice the text, Revelation 3.1, Revelation 3.2. And then when is your time coming? Revelation 3.3. And I'm saying this, beloved, because I feel like sometimes I just take it for granted that you understand the train of thought. You understand the, uh, uh, the matter of as we get into the Scripture, uh, notice verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, verse 4 through 6. We're not skipping around here, there, and yonder. Not that that's anything of itself. But we're staying with this particular text, and we're letting the text speak. I'm taking a moment. I don't normally do that in preaching or sharing a message, but my goal for every Sunday school teacher and people sitting here is that we'll learn how to listen to the Word of God. We'll learn how to study the Word of God. We'll let the Word of God speak to us, 
and there is something to what I'm trying to say, even though it's inadequate. When is your time coming? And last, where are you going after this life? Where are you going after this life? Number one. Number one. And don't worry about it. If you didn't get them all, you'll get a chance to get them. I'll pull it back up in just a moment. Number one. Notice verse one. And unto the angel of the church of Sardis, write these things he saith that the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know thy works, that thou hast a name, and that thou livest, and art dead. Dead. Now listen, folks, I have to say, dear God, help me to be restrained. Help me to be restrained. I, I, don't, want to, I, I don't want to get overly, overly uh, emotional, but, but sometimes I can't help it. Uh, are you a living Christian? Or are you a dead Christian? There's a lot of dead Christians today. There's some dead churches. And what he's saying right here, he's saying this is a dead church. There's some living Christians, but it's in a dead church. And there's some dead Christians in living churches. Are you a dead Christian or are you a living Christian? How can you tell if you're a living Christian or a dead Christian? He said, I know you've got a name that you live. But Jesus said, you're dead. You're dead. You're dead. And so the question is, are you a living Christian? Are you, a, are you on life support? This church was on life support. And this church was barely existing. And uh, listen, folks, we can go through the motions. I'm preaching this for no other reason but a challenge to my heart and to every servant leader in New Rocky Creek Baptist Church as well as every Sunday school teacher, as well as every mother, as well as every father, as well as every family. We've got to do more than just go through the motions. I said we've got to, we've got to, we've got to pursue him. It's not about organization. It's not about uh, all of, and that's important, yes. It's about knowing Him. It's about fellowshipping with God. It's about doing business when God speaks to us and says there's something wrong. Look, you don't have to tolerate the devil hounding you every day. Can you hear me? I said, you don't have to tolerate the devil hounding you every day. Well, what are you doing about it? Are you just being passive about it? Are you cowing down to the lies of demonic activity? Are you allowing Satan to get a foothold and a stronghold in your life and then you're just barely existing? I know the enemy comes in like a flood, but the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. And brother and sister, we as a church are to be militant. We are not to be passive. We are to be proactive. We're to hold up the banner of the cross. We're not to say, oh, well, we're a church and it'll always be a church. And, and oh, rather, we're to repent. We're to get right. We're to say, God, I need a fresh feeling today. Is there anybody today? That you're so worn out, you're so tired, you're so overwhelmed with stuff going on, information overload, and uh, cares and worries, and what am I going to do about this? Hey, now is the time to say, Lord, I don't have to live that way. I don't have to let the enemy consume my thoughts. I can bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Listen to me. How many know when you submit to God and resist the devil, he's got to go? He's got to go. When's the last time you said, in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, by the word of God, be gone, Satan? When's the last time you said that? Don't you think you might ought to? Don't you think the enemy is setting a trap for you and me? Now look, he doesn't care if we are ineffective as Christians. He'll let us, 
sit in church. He'll let us go through the motions. But he's really concerned when we start invading his territory, when we start reaching out, reaching those who are not saved. That's when the enemy is going to begin to stir up the demons of hell. And when, listen, when daddies start praying for their children, I said, daddies start praying for the children. I said, mamas start reading the Bible to the children. I don't care what age they are. Bless God, we're going to be in my house. We're going to serve God. While, we get, while they're there, while they're there, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. How many of you pray with your spouse or with your family every day? I want to challenge you to do that. We can't overcome. We'll never be overcomers unless we begin to tap into the unlimited resources of the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, one, why are we here? Why are we here? Is it go to work, come home? Is it to come to church and go and not be changed? No. And many of you are making a difference. Some in the church of Sardis were making a difference. But my question is this, are you alive? Do you need a jump start today? Has the battery, your spiritual battery has gone dead? I can tell you this, when sometimes we get stressed out and, and a lot of things going on in our life and family issues this time of the year, we need to... Uh, we need God to jump us off. Why? Because of the stuff that we're having to deal with all the time. How many know that, thank God, there's victory in Jesus? Watch, he said. Be watchful. Strengthen the things. Strengthen the things. Why are we here? We're here, again, to bring glory to God. Is that what you're doing? Are you purposing in your heart every day? Lord, today, oh, whatever I eat or drink, Whatever I do, do it all to your glory. And Lord, I just want to bring glory to you. You say, but pastor, I'm not a pastor. I can't sit in the church all the time and pray. Well, I can't either. I got a lot of work to do. And you do too. But I've got to walk in the Spirit like you've got to walk in the Spirit. And by the way, if you can't walk in the Spirit on your job, you surely can't walk in the Spirit in the church. You've got to learn, and I've got to learn how to walk in the Spirit wherever we're at. I said at the hospital, I said at the nursing home, I said at the funeral home, I said wherever we're at with our family. And God says you can do it because I've overcome. Jesus Christ has overcome and he makes us overcomers. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Why are we here? You know, sometimes we get bored. Sometimes we get, uh, uh, you know, just uh, the mundane things of life. I'm stretching you today, I'm challenging you today. Because some of you have gotten in a rut. You're 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 just kind of going through the motions. God's saying, I'm going to pull you out of that rut today. I'm going to make you more than a conqueror today. I'm going to fill you with Holy Spirit power today. I'm going to open your eyes to see things you hadn't seen before. I'm going to show you that I've got a plan for your life. And I've got a vision for your life. And there's some doors out there that I'm going to open that no man can shut. And some doors that no man can open. God's saying to us, today that he's got a great plan for your life that he's got a divine purpose he saved us he's conforming us to his image why are we here we're here to bring glory to God are you doing that and if not I'm just going to tell you what the Lord said to the church repent repent have a change of attitude hey look there are times when I get preoccupied there's times when things get on my mind and if I'm not careful I can get off focus I'm preaching to some people today y'all got to be honest with me because I know I face it and you face it too. Yes, we got to be in the world, but thank God we don't have to be of the world. Why? Greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. Let's say that together. Greater is he that is in me than he's in the world. One more time. Greater than he's in the world. Do you believe that? 
Do you believe that we're supposed to have our minds transformed? Romans 12, 2. By the way, that's 1 John 4 and 4. Greater is he. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world? He that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. 1 John 5, 4 and 5. I'm telling you today, there's much more for you, brother. There's much more for you, sister. Don't sell God short. Don't be satisfied, saved and satisfied in this life. Go on for the much more. Press on. Paul said, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There's some mountains out there that God said, if you'll believe faith of a mustard seed, the mountains have got to go. There's some giants out there. There's some giants out there. There's some real giants out there that God said, if you'll believe me with a sling and a stone, you can slay the giant. I'm telling you, rise up, child of God. Rise up, church of God. Rise up, men of God. Rise up, women of God, and say, hallelujah, I'm on the winning team. I'm not fighting for victory. I'm fighting from victory. Woo! How can we leave a lasting legacy? Isn't that what you want to do? How many want to leave a lasting legacy? Miss your hands. Those of you that didn't raise your hand, you need to leave a lasting legacy. You say, I don't care. Look, look, look at me. You're going to leave a legacy whether you know it or not. People are going to talk about you. People are watching you. They're watching me. We are an influence. We are a testimony. And what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? Well, notice chapter 3 and verse 2. Notice what he said. Be watchful and strengthen. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. And that notice chapter, uh, thank you for coming, Brother Gary. He had, to, he had to slip out at 9.30. Thank you for coming. Notice, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before. Notice two words right here. Watchful and strengthen. Say them with me. Watchful and strengthen. Say them with me. Watchful and strengthen. One more time. What's he saying? He's saying if you want to leave a lasting legacy, you've got to be watchful. You've got to strengthen. He's telling the church, church, I'm sorry to say, but you're on life support. And the, most of the folks in the church are dead. But there's a few that are alive. There's a few that hadn't sold out to Baal and hadn't sold out to false gods. By the way, those big pillars in the picture on Sardis, uh, they were worshiping false gods. And by the way, this work, this place, Sardis, was supposed to live impenetrable city. And by the way, the, you know how they conquered it during the days of Cyrus and others? I'll tell you how they conquered it. There was a soldier up there on the hill in Sardis. It was an impregnable city because it, it's located at, at a, a mountainside. And the soldier's helmet fell off his head. Meanwhile, somebody's down there looking at him. Another soldier and another rank of the army. And he sees the soldier's helmet fall down. The soldier on the ground has no idea how to, how to ascend into the heights. But once the soldier's helmet falls down, he watches him come down the mountain. And he gets his helmet and goes back up the mountain. The soldier down below watches every step. Ha ha! That's the way we can uh, penetrate this fortress. And that's exactly what they did. And they overtook Sardis. We'll tell you, the devil's watching. And the devil knows where our weaknesses are. I don't know about you today, but I can tell you from personal experience that the enemy, when you get tired and when you get weary, oh yes, he'll come in like a flood. Be watchful. Be watchful. Two words I want to share with you. Two words. Here they are. Number one, wake up. Wake up. He says that in verse two, wake up. 
Too many Christians are asleep today. Asleep at Zion. Asleep. And I want to tell you something. Look up here just a moment. I want to tell you something. My biggest challenge. You know what it is? Listen. Please listen. Hear me. If you've been in the church any length of time, and if you've served the Lord any length of time, you know what your biggest challenge is, mine is? To not become complacent. To not become complacent. I'm telling you, that's my biggest challenge. Your particular challenge. I can pat myself on the back and say, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right, Lord. I'm doing all right. I preach and, you know, I'm pastoring and all this stuff. I can pat myself on the back. Or I can say, dear God, I need you to search my heart. I need you to bring me into the light because my heart's deceitful above all things desperately wicked. Because, Lord, there's areas in my life where maybe not yielded to you, and, and, and I can't see it. How many know we all got blind spots? We've all got blind spots. Every one of us do. We don't have eyes in the back of our head. I'm not saying this to discourage you. I'm saying this to encourage you. If we're going to overcome, if we're going to overcome, we've got to be honest with God and walk in the light as he is in the light and having fellowship one with another. Wake up! Wake up! You know why we need to wake up? Can I tell you why we need to wake up? Because we live, listen, we live in a religious apostasy here in America. There is religion but apostasy, a falling away. All you got to do is look at the news. All you got to do is pay attention. Religious apostasy, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. How many know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Thank you. God bless you. Others of you, open your eyes. Wake up. Wake up. And if you don't see it, it's because you're not looking. Wake up. No wonder Paul said, it's high time we wake out of sleep. Our salvation is nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us walk not in darkness. That's Romans chapter 13, verse 11 following. Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! You know what the devil wants to do? Put you to sleep. The devil wants you to come to church and just say, oh, I just want to go to sleep. And yet God says, wake up! Overcomers, wake up! There's battles, there's battles, there's wars, there's souls, there's a price to pay. There's an enemy out there. How many know we face an enemy? How many know we face an enemy? How many know your family's facing an enemy? How many know that you might be the only soldier that gets a hold of God, that rains down the blessings of God? You might be the... Daddies, listen, listen, daddies, listen, mamas. You might be the spiritual authority in your home. And it's up to you to pray for a hedge around your children and grandchildren. It's up to you to stand in the gap. It's up to me to ask God to cover them, to shield them, to protect them, to bring them into victory. And the church said, are you doing that? I got a feeling some of us have fallen asleep in that area. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Why? Because we're overcomers. We're overcomers. We're overcomers. Not only wake up, this is your wake-up call. Hey, listen, beloved. How many believe I was uh, at a motel a few weeks ago down in Leesburg, Florida, and uh, microtail motel. How many know what I'm talking about? Anyway, uh, it's not like sleeping in your own bed at home. I'll put it that way. But God's will be done, and I'm not complaining. 
I would uh, rather obey the Lord and do what God tells me to do rather than be at home in my own bed. And so, and out of the will of God, I might add. But anyway, you wake up call. Telephone rang early in the morning. Rang early in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning. Hello? Wake up call. Wake up call. Y'all listen to me. I wish I didn't have to say this. I'd rather not say this. I really wouldn't. I really wouldn't. But how many know God can send you a wake-up call when we need to get awake? I'm telling you, God's real. I said God's real. I said God loves us. God's got a plan for us. And if you don't believe what I'm saying, you just had not read this book right here. You need to read the whole book, Genesis to Revelation, to find out who God really is. Not what you see on television, not what you hear on the radio, not what you read in a book. Read this book right here. That'll tell you who God is. From Genesis to Revelation, we've got a misconception of who God is. I'm afraid to say, no wonder, we're asleep. But God can ring your number. He can ring my number. How many does that strike fear in your heart? It does mine. I fear. I fear. Don't look at me. I fear for God to have to ring my number and chastise me. I fear that. Do you? The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 1, 7. God don't play games, folks, if you're really saved. Now, if you're not saved, you can get by living like the devil. Yeah, you can get, you can get by living like hell if you're, if you're not a child of God. But if you're really born again, the Spirit of God lives in us, and God loves us, He's got a plan for us, He knows His, His will is best for us, He's got our best interests in mind, He's out to change us, He's out to glorify Himself. But when we don't cooperate with Him, and when we do our own thing, the Lord is going to draw us back to Himself. God's real. He doesn't just save us to take us to heaven. He comes to give us a little heaven here on earth. Hallelujah. Overcomers, 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 rise above, rise above. Take the word of God by faith and say, thank God. If God be for me, who can be against me? Take the word of God and say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Take the word of God and the promises of God and say, thanks be to God that I'm more than a conqueror in him. Take the word of God and say, he's not going to leave me nor forsake me. Take the word of God and say, the peace of God, it passes all understanding. Take the word of God and say, um, whom shall I fear? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I be afraid? I'm telling you, God is a great God. And so, wake up. And then something else. Not only we need to wake up, number two, we need to, watch this, how can we leave a lasting legacy? Wake up and then stand up. Stand up. Far too many Christians are falling down today. Falling down. Not being heard. Not shining your light. Listen, Jesus said, let your light so shine before men. Don't let, don't put your light under a bushel. Hey, you don't have to be ashamed. Look, I know the devil's wearing us out with shame and guilt. Y'all listen to me a moment. Will you listen? When we sin, I didn't say if we sin, I said when we sin. Do you notice I said that? If, not if, but when. Where did I get that from? 1 John 2, 1. My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father through Jesus Christ the righteous. How many know? How many know? 
when we sin against God. When we take our eyes off the Lord, it might be a sin of omission. It might be a sin of commission. I'm talking about fellowship with God today. I'm talking about Christians walking in the light as He is in light. I'm talking about having a relationship with God, not just a religion. But, but watch, when I sin against God, you know what it does? It makes me feel bad. How many of y'all sin? Yeah, it makes me feel bad. And you know what I don't want to do? I don't want anybody to tell me I sin. But I need somebody to tell me I sin. Because I'm always right, you understand? I don't, need, I don't want anybody telling me I'm wrong, right? You, you're the same way, I, I got a feeling. I can look at your face and tell you the same way. When I start preaching about stuff, you, you got that. Put the brakes on. I don't want anybody telling me. I know but, but wait a minute, I need somebody, I need a Nathan to come and say, thou art the man. I need somebody to say, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. I need somebody to lift up the standard. I need somebody to show me a mirror, to show me where I've erred. The word of God's a mirror. I need somebody to lead me to the feet of Jesus. I need somebody that'll break me free from the lies and from the bondage of living a lie, living a lie, thinking I'm right with God when I'm really not. I need somebody... I need the presence of God. I need the glory of God. You need the presence of God. And when the glory and the presence of God is missing in our life, as a Christian, we're miserable. That's why some of you are miserable when you come to church. That's why you can't worship the Lord. There's no joy, no victory. Hey, but wait a minute. Don't stop there. I'm asking you. I'm pleading with you. I'm preaching to myself. Bring me, Father, into what you see in my heart. My motives, my mind, my will, my emotions. Ways where I've given ground to the enemy. Ways I've given ground to the enemy. Ways that I've harbored lust. Ways that I've harbored resentment. Ways that I've given ground and, and excused. Oh, yes, yes. Victory, Lord. Overcomers, overcomers. But we've gotten so used to the preaching of the Word of God, our heart has become hardened, calloused. And the Word of God just like water on a duck's back. Water on a duck's back. That's a dangerous state to be in. I said that's a dangerous state to be in. When we hear the Word of God, but we don't obey the Word of God, James 1.22 says, be doers of the Word, not hearers only. And I'm preaching to myself, brother. I'm preaching to, to I want to be an overcomer, Lord. I really want to overcome. How can we leave a lasting legacy? Number one, by wake-up call. Number two, by standing up. Stand up for Jesus. Stand up. Then number three, notice, when is your time coming? Look at chapter three, verse three. Notice chapter three, verse three. So, why are we here? How can we leave a lasting legacy? Overcoming living with thanksgiving. When is your time coming? How many know? It's appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. How many know every one of us is going to die one day unless Jesus comes back? Y'all listen to me. You know what happened to me the other day? I had the privilege of going to Eddie and Marsha's and stopped by their house. L let me read verse 3, and then I'll share. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard. Hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief. Jesus is saying this to the church, folks. I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. I'm talking about when's your time coming? When's your time coming? 
you know what the reality is? The reality is we're going to die. The reality is, you know what? It, it all of a sudden dawned on me. I was visiting this week and stopped by Eddie and Marcella saying, as I was leaving out of the driveway, you know what thought occurred to me? I don't know why, but I began to count all the people within one mile down the road of Candleline Road. I counted 13 people that I've had the privilege of preaching their funeral. Thirteen. Thirteen in one mile radius. Now, if I went back this other way one mile, 25 people. I counted 25 people. I preached just, just, just in one mile that way and one mile. That didn't include down that way and that way. What am I saying? I'm saying people die just like that. They do. Have you prepared for that? Oh, I don't think about it. Well, you better. You better. I mean, we're not promised of tomorrow. It's supposed to not of tomorrow. Thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. So, so the question is this. The question is, when is your time coming? Jesus said this. How many of y'all ever pray, uh, played that game? When I was younger, we was a, a, a younger as a boy, we would play hide and seek. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You remember that? And, and what would it say? All right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. I can count now. <laughs> Up to a hundred. And then what would I say? Ready or not? Ready or not? Here I come. That's what Jesus is saying. Ready or not, here I come. In Matthew's gospel, chapter 25, he talks about ten virgins, five wise, five unwise. Now, technically speaking, that's during the tribulation time. But Practically speaking, that can be for present day. I say that because you need to stay true to the text. In Matthew 25, it's in the Olivet Discourse during the tribulation. How do I know that? Because Matthew 24, Jesus talks about in chapter 24, verse 29, immediately after the days of the tribulation. Now, but going back to the practical aspect, ready or not, here I come. Five virgins had their oil in their lamp. Y'all remember? Five didn't. Five were ready, five were not. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? How many today would need to say, I need oil in my lamp? Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Remember? Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Keep me burning till the break of day. You remember that? How many need fresh oil in your lamp every day? I do. Ready or not, here he comes. And the Lord said, I've come as a thief in the night. First, uh, first uh, Timothy, I'm sorry, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, nor not the angels of heaven. That's Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. But the Father only. No man knows the hour. And Jesus said, I've come as a thief in the night. When you're least expecting it. Least expecting it. What were you doing last night? What were you watching last night? What if Jesus would have come right when you, when you, what you were doing? What were you doing yesterday? Hey, look, 1 John 2, 18 says, My little children abide in him that when he shall appear, we should not be ashamed before him at his coming. We should not be ashamed before him at his coming. I got a feeling if I'm not ready and you're not ready and the Lord comes back or he takes you in death, there's going to be tears at the judgment seat of Christ. I believe that. When is your time coming? We don't know. 
overcoming living with thanksgiving. And finally, last, where are you going after this life? Notice, notice the last part of this chapter, all right? I can see your eyes glazing over. When I can see your eyes glazing over, I can tell you've had enough. You can't take anymore. You're about to fall out. Okay? I want to give you all that I got. I want to give you more and more and more. I'm sorry. And, and I appreciate your willingness. I know you, it's hard to stay there and stay focused. I see your eyes glazing over. I see you're about ready to fall out. And I say, it's time to quit. Okay? I want much more to share, but I love you, and I appreciate your job's a hard job. Look at chapter 3, verse number 6. Verse 5. He that overcomes, he that overcomes, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. I told you what that was earlier, right? And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And here it is right here. The enemy's defeated. The enemy's defeated. Overcomers, overcomers, overcomers. Yes, overcome because our Lord Jesus has overcome. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. Let's say that together. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Let's say it again. One more time, please. How many of y'all believe that? If you believe it, stand up. 